short one. Because it has to do with our understanding and our willingness to grow in Christ in many different areas. <clears throat> Growing is not easy. How many of you had a easy growing life when you were growing up? You never fell down. You never skint your knees. You never skint your elbow. You never fell down and scraped your hands and skin off. You never experienced any hurt or pain while you were growing. See, all those things happen in the process of what? Growing up. Similarly, those things happen to us in growing spiritually. And oftentimes we don't like the hurt. We don't like the pain. And sometimes we don't like the embarrassment in life. But that's part of maturing. That's part of growing. One person says it in this matter when it comes to helping people. You cannot correct until you connect. And part of that's true. Until you really connect with the person, it's hard to correct them. But sometimes correction comes when there's no what? Connection at all. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. And oftentimes in growing up, you were corrected and you're saying, I don't know you. <laughs> you're not an aunt. You're not an uncle. But was the information correct? And in this spiritual life, God is going to correct us a lot of times through individuals that we may not even think much of. And in that, I think sometimes people are speaking what we call a word of knowledge without even knowing what they're doing. But they're passing on information. It's important to have an ear to hear. But then do exactly what Scripture says. Examine yourself. Does it fit you? Does it fit your situation? Is this something that you need and it's something that you can change. That's part of growing. Oftentimes, we make the biggest mistake of doing what Scripture tells us not to do is measuring ourselves by ourselves, looking at the other person, and then saying, I'm okay based on how I see the other person. God wants us to keep our eyes on him. But be willing to accept what he speaks back into our lives. It's strange about our prayer life. Our prayer life is about a bunch of wants and material things sometimes. But not asking God to really reveal who. Who I am. That I might grow. Now, just a refreshing real quick. Three areas. One, the flesh. As a Christian, you can live in your flesh. Yes, you went through the verbal part. You went through the part of asking the Lord to come into your heart. You've done all of that. But you're still living just like the world. Only God knows if you're saved. Because in Timothy, he tells us there's some for gold, silver, and there's some who are just wood, hay, and stubble. You're the one that has to look and ask yourself, are you among the wood, hay, and stubble, or are you striving for the gold and silver? It's the sensuous person who somewhat wears everything right here on their shoulders. <laughs> The flesh is near the human nature. 
and acting strictly out of the flesh. Having no challenge of the word of God up here. And that's part of growth. Because when we all first come to Jesus Christ, guess where we're at? We're in the world, we're in the flesh, 100%. And then we accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And then at that point, there's a change that takes place. But the thing about the change is this. It's a growing process now. My position has changed before God. And now starts this process of growing in the Lord. Growing out of myself, learning to die to myself, coming out of my flesh, and putting on the things that Christ says to put on, and begin to live in a manner, catch this, that is even strange to me. Then we move to the carnal person. Remember the fleshly person, he saved but had no knowledge really of scripture. Paul says to those in Corinthians, yes, I should be feeding you meat, but you still have need of what? Of milk in a sense. You're carnal. So it's not that they don't have what? Some knowledge of the word of God. But when you have knowledge of the word of God, you have to make a decision. Do you follow the word or do you follow yourself? If you follow yourself, you're following the flesh. Do you allow the word then to come in and challenge your thoughts? Challenge your decisions. Challenge what you're going to do or what you're going to say. Do you hear the word of God speaking up here before words come out here? And see, the carnal person chooses to cut God's word off and act in the flesh. He really has the choice whether if he's going to act spiritual, if he's going to act like Christ, or is he going to act fleshly? Because he has some knowledge. The babe in Christ, he's growing. He's no longer an infant per se, but now he is a babe. There's something that's different between just being born and being two. And we call them those terrible twos. Because it's not so much that the baby knows, but we know that the baby understands what we're saying. And we call that's a strong-willed little child. The baby's just determined to do what it wants to do. Even though they're understanding what you're directing them to do, or telling them to do, or asking them to do, they're going to do what? And if they don't get their way, they do what? (laughs) And sometimes they just sit down on you. That's what adults do too. (laughs) That's what adults do. And it's refusing to grow up. It's refusing to grow up. And we have a lot of grown-ups that act like what? Yeah. And we see it every day. A lot of people who we think should be mature or be acting at least their age. Remember, you used to hear that quite often. You need to act your age. You need to act your age. We don't hear that much anymore. But sometimes it should come to a point that a young man should know when to bring his britches up. At some, so some point, you think some people would recognize I'm older, I don't need to look like this. You know, At uh, some point, you realize you're a grown man, you're no longer a teenager. You need to understand that as you travel and mature in life, 
things about you, your makeup, your character, they change. And that's why sometimes we laugh at a 50-year-old man trying to act like he's 20 years old or 18 years old. I'll use Miss Laura as an example. What would we think if she came in here with her hot miniskirt on? We'll, we'll all be talking about, you know, she's just, look, look. It don't fit the what? The age. The season. See? And, and people do look at us in our seasons. And that is true also in Christianity. That we come to that place whereby we ourselves have to make a decision to grow up. And the baby has to make that decision also. And recognize it needs to grow. It no longer needs the baby food. Sometimes it's something to have to tell a mama, this five-year-old don't need no diapers no more. There is no reason for a, as the head on news, that boy, a seven-year-old still nursing. No reason for that at all. See? Some point, that growing part has to kick in, and there's that growing. And we want to get past the baby stage, and we want to start with that whole process of us growing. So, let's kick in a little bit. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 13. Because we're the ones that have to answer this question if we're willing to do it or not. In 13.11. Because it's difficult. It's a decision. And and Paul says, I made this decision. And he, he walks us somewhat through the childhood part into the adulthood part. And his life is different at that point. You know, all of us, even though we're grown and we're supposed to be able to take care of ourselves, all of us would love to have somebody do what? Take care of us. Take care of us. But that's not part of maturing and growing up. So Paul says in that verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a what? Yeah, he, he lived in that world. That's how he functioned. Why? He was a child at that time. And he recognized it. But then he goes on, he says, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. My thinking was what? One of the things that get me about adults today, when they're talking to a child, they think a child should make like an adult decision. We forget the child's reasoning is only on a child's what? Level. But we're expecting them to make and reason out something like an adult and they don't have all the knowledge and information they need in order to make the proper decision. But Paul says, boy, am I growing and so forth from that child? He said, I even reasoned like a child. But then he says, when I became a man. Now, there's a recognition point there. I'm no longer a what? Yes. But I've grown up now. I've taken on different responsibilities. I'm thinking differently. I see the world differently. I'm in different type of conversations. I'm engaged. I'm not talking no more about playing marbles. I'm not talking no more about jump rope. I'm not talking no more about jumping on my uh, bike. I'm not talking no more about going down to the place and play basketball. I'm not talking those things. My conversation has also what? Changed. And the people I'm around 
are no longer the kids. I'm not 30 years old hanging around with 15 and 16, 17-year-olders. I'm with a different group of people that challenge my thinking that I should think like an adult. A young man yesterday at our family reunion, he was recognized because he's 20 years old, just graduated from high school just a couple of years ago. He's in his second year now as an electrician apprenticeship, and he bought his own home. You see the maturity? You see the thinking different? He's spending time with some people who are older, who's helping him to see and think. His thing is not so much partying. His thing is not wasting his money. His thing is not doing this or that. But he's buying his own home. Why? He re- I need a place to stay. And it's better on my own than pay rent to somebody. <laughs> but 20 years old. How many 20-year-olds do you know that are buying their own home? So the thinking is different. He's no longer a what? A teenager. He's grown up to be a man. He's not saying I can't. He's putting it into action. You hear a lot of young folks talk about, I can't. I can't know. It's what you're choosing to do with your finances. It's why you can't. You make a choice on what you want to do with your finances. And he's willing to make the sacrifice to be able to do what he's doing. Because that's what it is, your sacrifice. It's not about your wants. And when you find a grown person not having, it's because they're fulfilling their wants more than they are fulfilling their needs. And Paul says, boy, when I became a man, Here becomes what has to happen. I put childish ways behind me. If you don't put childish things behind you, you always stay in the child's what? Position. You never take on the adult responsibility. You you know that you're an adult and you want people to respect you as an adult. But you function as a what? As a child. As a child. And and Paul says, I put childish ways behind me. Now that's a decision that everybody has to what? Make. If you're going to grow in Christ, you have to make the decision that you're going to put fleshly things behind you. You have to make the decision. You're going to put material things behind you. You're going to have to make the decisions that the things that you think you so desire and you so want, that those things go behind you. And you come into the spiritual part that every good and perfect gift coming from where? From above. And if God wants you to have it, He brings it to you. It's not so much you having to fight and go out here and what? Get it. God somehow, he directs and he just puts it in your lap. And you know it's his will for you to do it. And for you to have it. You're trusting him now. Not who? Self. And oftentimes one of the things that bankrupts us so quickly and keeps us in the childish thing is that I'm after getting what I want. What I want. Okay. Sometimes I tell my grandson, when he tells me what he made that year, and he's still broke. Man, if I bought a new pair of tennis shoes every three, four months, I'd be broke too. When you choose to spend $200, $300 on some tennis shoes when some $30 tennis shoes will do the same thing. Okay. When you choose to buy a shirt that's all cut up 
and pay $125 for it because it's the style, you're going to be broke. And when you want to wear the latest things and do the latest thing, yeah, you're going to be broke. I don't care how much money you make. Because the foolish decisions of chasing after the world and trying to satisfy the flesh, you're going to still be broke. And even though you're approaching 30, you're still functioning and acting in some ways like you're 15, 18 years old. Smart young man, but very foolish. And what young people don't see themselves as, and a lot of Christians too, do not see themselves as foolish. But we got to put the childish things behind us. Those things got to begin to disappear. Go over to Second Peter with me. Because here comes one of the growing areas for us that you and I have to really fight with. Because the Lord says these things he wants to see in our lives. And if he wants to see those things in our lives, then we have to be willing to die to self and we have to begin to add them to our life. They don't automatically drop down from heaven into our life. They're not a work that somehow, oh boy, just because I'm a Christian, God will do this. That's why he says now you add. Why? He wants you to participate with the Holy Spirit in building you up. He's not forcing something on you. He's not making you do something. This is something that you cry from within your own heart. And you begin to pray over and you begin to ask the Lord. Lord, Yes, this is an area that I'm stuck in, Lord. It's hard for me to do this, but Lord, give me the strength to do it. Lord, help me to see how to do this. Lord, make a way for me to do this, Lord, because everything around me opposes this, Lord. Now you're desiring the things that Christ, that God desires for you. When you begin to pray for those things. So, in that verse 5, well... He comes to this point. He says, in 2 Peter 1, verse 5, he said, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your what? Yeah. Now, you got to make the effort. You got to fight with it. You got to struggle with it. You got to be engaged in it. You're the one that got to do it. See? He's just not going to just whap, whap it on you. You're not like a piece of cake being icing. There's not enough icing in here, so I'm going to take some more icing out the can. and This isn't sweet enough, so I'm just going to open up another pack of sugar and put it in my coffee and make it sweet. No. This is something you yourself have to participate with him in doing. Now we read it, and sometimes we read it so quickly that we forget this is something that, yes, he's saying for me to what? Do. If I'm going to grow, if I'm going to mature, and a lot of us think we're mature Christians, well, this is a good list to look at and ask yourself, are you really doing it? Now, there's a little statement in this area when we get to the end too that's really going to be challenging because he says I want you to add and some of us may be saying well I'm already doing that and remember the rich young ruler I've kept all these and the Lord says well go and do this now <laughs> There's something like that that takes place here. Because of what he says. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. How many of you see yourself as a good person? How many of you see yourself doing good to other people? 
And do you do good to everybody or just those who you want to choose to do good to? Are they, do you have a measuring stick where you say, are they worthy of your what? Of your goodness. And some people you've written off because you don't think they're worthy of your what? Your goodness. They don't come up to what you think they ought to be. Suppose God treated us like that. We don't measure up. And he just throw us off. We don't do everything the way he wants us to do it. So he just throws us off. And see, that's part of maturing and growing. And he says, I want you to add to your faith. And he hits it right there with us. Goodness. Goodness. He goes a little further. He says, and to goodness, knowledge. Why would you need knowledge with goodness? You're not weighing the person by your standard, but you're weighing them according to what? Scripture. You're getting knowledge from the Holy Spirit. Because remember, when you're being good to people, you are also sometimes using God's resource, and God is the one who wants to direct his resource. But you need knowledge from God on how to use it and when to use it. And knowledge allows you to know how to use goodness appropriately. He says, you need knowledge. So what I want you to do is add to your what? Knowledge. That you might really what? Do what is good. Not just from a human perspective of goodness, not just from a fleshly perspective of goodness, but from what I'm going to prescribe as good. You need knowledge. And he goes on a little further and he adds, and to knowledge, self-control. Why do I need self-control? How many of you have dealt with people where you're ready to lose it? How many of you have dealt with people that you have some choice words for them? (laughs) How many of you have dealt with people that on the inside of your heart and your mind, you're saying something that you know really shouldn't be said? And what God is saying you got to be in control at all times when you're dealing with other people. And when you're doing good, you got to be in control. Because, see, it only takes one incident for people to judge you based that you're out of control And you had just lost your testimony, your witness, and all that you are because you lost control of yourself over one incident. See, a person can be late to work 15 times. And we can say, oh, we know they're coming late. Or you can be waiting on them, oh, we know they're coming late. But if you're late just one time, what category are you put into? The same category. It don't matter about how many times you did it. You were still late. You're put into the same category. And when we do something, we're put into that same category. It don't matter how many times I've done it. I'm put into the same category even as other people. Hmm. 
And he says, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. Why would you need perseverance with (laughs) self-control? Because sometimes you just got to stand there and what? (laughs) Take it! But you're persevering. You're not doing this. But you're here. You know? And, and like Paul says, you press against, you got something coming against you now. But your goal is to what? Take the next step. But if you don't persevere, you find yourself... You find yourself going back into the flesh real quick. And you got to be able to persevere even in hardship. None of us like to suffer for righteousness sake and that's something you learn to do. But you're learning to suffer and in the suffering you're persevering. You haven't turned around. You haven't redirected. You haven't backed up. You're right there. But the thing is there's something pressing against you also. So with this now you learn to persevere until that thing is what? Moved out of the way. That you can move on. You don't give up. You don't become discouraged. You don't become frustrated. But you persevere through it. You persevere through it. And he says you need to add that with self-control. That you're just going to persevere. You're going to hang in there. You're going to stay at it. And then he says, and to perseverance, godliness. How do you act when you become frustrated? How do you act when you become discouraged? How do you act when you feel somebody else is fighting against you? How do you even see yourself when it's not moving fast enough for you or it's not going your way. Do they see a godly person when it's not your way? Do they see a godly person when somebody speaks against your idea of what you want to do? Do they still see a godly person a person of holiness. When the things get rough, do they still see a godly person there? Or do we take off our Christianity and put it to the side until we can fight through this thing? What is it that another person sees? And he says, you got to put on godliness. Well, most of us already believe that we're what? Godly. But do we allow other people to see it all the time? All the time. Not just on Sunday morning. Not just in a Bible study. But in the difficult times of life in the trenches of life, in the ugly part of life, in the frustrating parts of life, when life is not really good to me, do people still see your godliness? Is God still praised in those times? Is God still glorified in your life in those times? Was he only glorified and praised in the good times? He says, "You, I want to see you acting godly and keeping yourself under control. No matter what happens, nowhere in Scripture do we ever see God acting ungodly, unholy, unrighteous, unjust. 
And that's what God's developing in us. And he says, now, I want to see you act godly. Now, understand this. If he says he want to see you act godly, what kind of situation might he have to put you in? <laughs> I don't want that, Lord. I don't want that. Well, we, we, I want you to see if you can really act godly, if you can really act holy. So I got to put you in this test to see how it's going to. And God already knows, but he wants you to see who? Itself. Okay. And he moves on again. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Boy, it's hard, Lord. Lord, you're asking me to do more than what I'm capable of doing. Some people are not worthy of my kindness. Some people are not worthy of me going out of the way to help them. Some people aren't worthy of. Lord, you don't know. I tried and I tried. And and Lord, I've done this. And Lord, I've been at it. But Lord. And what we forget is this. God makes assignments in our lives with people. And he puts them with us for a reason. (laughs) And oftentimes, what people do to us, they bring us out more. They help us to grow more than we are helping them to grow. They're helping us to mature. They're helping us to learn patience. They're helping us to pray for understanding. They're helping us to see God. Lord, help me to be kind to this person. Everything in my heart, I want to do just the opposite. And he says, brotherly kindness. Now, again, God isn't dropping these things on you, per se. He's not making you do them. But for you to grow and mature, he says, you've got to add these things to your what? It's not that you don't have faith. But he's asking you now to add some things to your faith and do them by faith. Now we're growing. And he goes on and he says, and to brotherly kindness, look at this last one, love. Love. That you just love individuals. I was talking to a person this morning and uh, it was somewhat a complaint and so forth and, and they're talking about the men of the church sometimes how we treat other men when they come into the church that uh, we're more fearful of them or skeptical of them and we don't ask them to sit with us and the women shouldn't be doing that. I, I just listen for about a good 20 minutes or so. And I said, yes, we're still, we're, we're still learning. We're still learning. But I said, one of the men knowing because he went to high school with him. So a couple of men reached in their pockets and gave him some money for food for that day. And he even recognized himself that he didn't smell all that great and he wasn't really this, this, or that. But complaint was, we talk about disciple, 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 discipleship. We, we talk, we, but then we don't do nothing. We don't get off our rump and do it. Well, you're not seeing the whole picture. You'll see what you want to see. And that's all that you're seeing is what you're seeing. But you need to see the whole picture. Okay. One of the men even took him home. But you didn't see that. Okay. And, and, and those are the things sometimes you miss. But people, before we get all judgmental, the thing is this here. And ask yourself this question. Are you loving the person? Do you really love? And love is an action word. Love is an action word. We've learned just to say to people, I love you with the what? No action. <laughs> you know. But if you really love people, you take an action towards people. 
And that's what God is saying. I want to see you add to your life. That there's an action from you towards people that may include all these things or one of these things or two of these things, but that you love them. Now, go with me just a little further. In verse 8, he says, For if you possess these qualities, remember I told you about the rich young ruler? Lord, I've done all these things. And, and, and somebody here may, may be saying, I have all these qualities. I do good things. I'm a godly person. I love. I'm kind. I do all these things. Look at the kicker here. It's amazing. For if you possess, he's not saying you don't possess them, but if you possess them, these qualities, in increased measure, do what? If you possess them, increase it. Do more of it. That's something. That is really interesting. Where, where does it stop, Lord? It doesn't. It doesn't. If you're kind, be kinder. <laughs> if you're loving, be more loving. And what he's saying, increase it. Because he knows our human part of us. Once we think we have hit a certain level, we become what? Satisfied. I did. Boy, you let me get a 90 on a test. Who needs the A plus? I got an A. I don't need the A plus. And we become people who are what? Satisfied with our performance because we hit it right here. And God says, no, the standard's up here. I don't want you here. I want you up here. And then if you hit here, guess what God does? He lifts the bar a little further. (laughs) Why? That's that growing process. That's how he is growing us. Because whenever we think that we're doing good, God looks at, puts Jesus up there. Are you like my son? And the answer will usually always be what? I have a ways to go yet. Okay. And he says now, increase it. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being in what? Ineffective. Ineffective in what? In the lives of others. In the lives of people. If you do these things, and you allow yourself to increase in these things, you will have an effect in the lives of other people. And he said, and unproductive. You'll be productive. You'll bear fruit. If we're willing to do these things. And he says, now, you have to add these things to your life. You're the one that have to want to do it. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 2.6. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 6. Listen to what Paul says here. Then ask yourself in conversation time, how do some people have to talk with you? One of the things that I enjoy being with Roscoe is, at times we will ask questions, and they're growing questions for both of us. They are searching questions in the mind. So we can be having breakfast or we could be just sitting and, and, and something will come. One reason I like going down to McDonald's with the men is that sometimes a question will come and we just have to just brainstorm it and so forth. From the scriptural, this person sees it from scripture this way and this one has it from this way. And, this, and, and that's sharpening ourselves. 
What is your conversation like with other Christians around you? Listen to what Paul says in verse 6. We do, however, speak message of wisdom, now catch this, among the mature. Where are you really talking those hard questions and, and things that we may not fully understand? That? We're talking those with other Christians. We have it in this thing that we always have to agree. We don't always have to agree. Why? If I'm listening, I'm learning something else. I've been reading Connect. Connect is the old, 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 old Egypt so-called Bible. And, and, and there are many people who believe that today's Bible is a copy from the Connect. Because in the Connect, you have 40-something commandments that are given. And since Moses was raised in Egypt, he would know something of the connect. And that the Ten Commandments come from the old Egyptian-style religious book or whatever. The problem with it from the very beginning is the seven gods that they speak of, they tell you they're not real. (laughs) So anything from that point on that you talk about being divine really isn't real because it cannot be divine if it is not real. And the issue is that much of our Bible, the Old Testament, comes from the connect and not so much from a divine person called God. And I've just been reading more about the connect just to, because sometimes when I'm hearing people talk, they don't know they're talking that, trying to talk against this. And now I can point to them, you're really talking about this. (laughs) trying to put down this. <laughs> and even among mature people now, we can talk about those things and sharpen ourselves. That we prepare ourselves to give an answer to every man or woman who asks us of the hope that is in us. Hey. That we prepare ourselves to give answers to people, to speak to people, because we're always learning ourselves that we know how to address different issues among people. And he says, again, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. You don't talk to certain things around children, do you? Even today as adults, when we got something really to discuss, where do we send the children? (laughs) Their ears and their mind isn't ready for what's going to be discussed here. So we sit them out. So around the mature saints of God, there are things that are talked about. that are not talked about around the babes of Christ. But not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Boy, Jesus Christ, what? Coming. That was set before anything was ever created. A babe doesn't understand that. A babe doesn't understand that Christ was promised before creation itself was ever made. And then when you talk about that among babes, 
they get confused. Well, God knew that we were going to fail. God planned us to do this. God, no, he didn't plan it. He knew because he gave you free will, certain things would what? Happen. And that you would need a savior. Mature people talk about it. That's part of the talk about. Because we can hit things that we don't have time to hit on Sunday morning or in Sunday school. And, and you can bring those questions and so forth. And, and we can, it's not so much a right or wrong. It's a thing that's, boy, can we find it in Scripture and answer it? And share wisdom together and knowledge together. Go to Philippians 3. We'll get ready to close out here. 14 through 16. Philippians 3. Because it is a challenge in growing. Verses 14 and 16. He says, get these eyes straight. I press on. How many of you become so relaxed that you're not pressing? You don't feel any challenge. You don't feel anything that you have to push against in order to move forward. You're just satisfied. You quit growing. You quit learning. You quit seeking knowledge. You just stopped and you just allow things to happen. See, growing is intentional. The question is, how are you going to grow? Are you going to grow in a positive light or a negative light? You're always growing. Why? Because either you're listening to the Holy Spirit or you're listening to Satan, the God of this world. You're being educated by one or the other. You're growing up in one or the other. And Paul Simpson, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwardly in Christ Jesus. I press on. Hey, I'm right here. I'm an apostle. What else I need to do? I got it made. I've hit the highest level. But Paul didn't see himself that way. Even though he's an apostle, he saw himself where? Down here. Though he was a man of many different philosophies and knowledge, yet he's still seeking what? Knowledge. Never stop growing. Never stop reading. Never stop learning. Don't become satisfied where you are. Desire more. The reason prayer meeting doesn't grow, Bible study doesn't grow, church, because people are satisfied where they are in their relationship. When you're hungry, you go after high school. You go on to college because you want more. After you get that degree, you even want more. You go to another one. Even after that one, you want more. And you go after that one. You're always after more knowledge. Now, you may not be able to do it financially through the school process, but there are ways you can continue to educate yourself and grow. I understand there can be books out here that are dangerous. And that's why you have other people who you're able to talk things through with to get understanding that you're not drifting too far to the right this way or too far to the left this way. As one author brought out, we forget the Ku Klux Klan. They were a Christian organization and they burned the cross because, boy, fire meant purification. And they were showing themselves as the pure Christians. Well, that's one view. 
that is written down, but there's another view too now. Okay. And the thing is, is to learn this one and to learn this one. And let the Holy Spirit teach and balance. And Paul says, I press on for that purpose for which Christ called me. He didn't call you to be a lazy Christian. He didn't call you to be an uninformed Christian. He didn't call you to be an intellect just to be an intellect. But he did call you that the Holy Spirit can pour in godly knowledge into you that you will be able to stand against the realms of Satan and you would be able to give every person an answer of why you believe in Jesus Christ. And you would even be able to break down their arguments to be able to show Christ. Apologetics is something Christians don't do much anymore today. Because we have coined this, I won't argue about Christianity. Well, a discussion about Christianity needs to be more in our society. But it's going to take the Christian who wants to really discuss it. I've got to be careful on this point. I heard a pastor say it in this way. And I don't agree with him. He says, I'm not trying to convert my Muslim friend. I just want him to live his faith to the fullest. Well, why do I want him to live his faith to the fullest, knowing he's going to hell without Jesus Christ? So he don't believe in being a witness. Because the witness is right next to a jihadist. Oh, A witness is right next to anarchy. A witness is saying, if you're not like me, then you have to go. Well, that's not how I see witnessing. I see witnessing flowing from a command of Jesus Christ to enlighten man of his own ignorance. I'm not going to force you to believe what I believe. But I do have a responsibility to share with you what Christ has done on your behalf. And to come against that which is a lie that you're believing that you might know truth. But I have to be able to speak against your lie and and understand what I'm going to say here. Not in a disrespectful way but to break down its fallacies, its untruths, in order that you might see truth. And that's why Paul says, I'm still pressing on, because oftentimes we forget this. Paul himself was still learning from the Holy Spirit. Paul himself was still learning with all his education, with all his knowledge, even going up to the seventh heaven, Paul is still what? Learning. And that's why Paul said, I'm pressing on to apprehend that for which Christ apprehended me. That I can be the best witness that I can be. I can understand what Paul says. I become all things to all men that I might win some. Why? Because he could speak all things, all philosophies, and share with them. It's amazing. Growing is exciting. Growing is challenging. Growing is maturing. Growing is having new adventures. Different stages of our Christian life. But in every stage, you're growing. You're maturing. You're fighting against something. But you're learning at the same time. That you may be the example to all men 
to all people of what it is to grow in Christ. You will never comprehend all that God is. And when you think you've comprehended all that God is, then you have just deceived yourself. But when you say, I just want to keep growing, growing, and growing. And that is not to say you outgrow this. Some people get so much now that they outgrow this. This is always my foundation that I come back for the basis of the evidence of which I am arguing from. Or debating from. I'm always standing right here. I'll never outgrow it. I'll never outgrow it. Me and Roscoe, we was talking over breakfast. Roscoe, you know, if God told us everything, we'd have a book about the size of this Denny's restaurant. But what I want you to see is the inside of that. That everything God is saying to us is not here. It's our basis. But the Holy Spirit has so much more to teach us. And it would be bigger than the Denny's restaurant we're sitting in. That we would have to be trying to drag around with us or something. But God gave us enough in here. And with the person of the Holy Spirit, we'll never outgrow growing in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord. That command for us is to grow. And Lord, we want to grow in Christ. We want to mature in Christ. We want to get beyond our little petty arguments, and we want to demonstrate maturity in Christ. We want to really love each other and love people outside of ourselves. We want to be good and show goodness to all people and kindness to all people. And we want to do that in a self-controlled manner, showing godliness, because, Lord, we know Satan is going to try to throw a wrench into it somewhere. He's going to put a bump in the road somewhere. He's going to try to derail us, O oh God. But Lord, we are your saints. We are your people. We are the ones that you've called to use. And your challenge to us is to make every effort now to grow in these things. And if we possess these things, to increase in them. To increase in them to make them more. Help us, Lord, to take off the flesh. Help us to take off warring in the flesh. For our battle, Lord, is not with fleshly weapons. But, Lord, ours is through prayer. Ours is through, Lord, your word. And help us, Lord, to be totally dependent upon you. Believing, Lord, that if God be for us, who can be against us? That, Lord, you're the one who will fight our battles. And you've told us, Lord, anyone who hinders us, you will hinder them. Let us believe you, Lord. That we can stay focused on what you've called us to do. That we can stay focused on ministry. We don't need to look to the left or to the right, but we just need to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and him alone and run after him. Lord, we have a ways to go. I have a lot of growing yet to do, Lord. I have a lot of learning to yet do. There are books that I have not read that I need to read. There's more knowledge I need to gain. 
Because, Lord, tomorrow I don't know who you're going to bring into my life. I don't know what that conversation is going to be like. But, Lord, keep preparing me, O God, that I can give an answer to every man of the hope that lieth in me. And that, Lord, that I have some wisdom and knowledge to share with them where they may be wrong. And here is the truth. Lord, minister to us. Let us not be satisfied where we're at. Let us be willing to press on, Lord. To push against that, Lord, which is sometimes difficult and hard. That we might, oh God, be all that Jesus desires us to be. Work in us, Lord. For we truly are your workmanship. Continue to do, Lord, what you said you would do. That you would work in our lives until we see Christ face to face.